Well, our opening message is going to be Dr. Robertson covenants God's way with his people. Would you like me to read the passage or do you, would you like to read the passage? Let me open your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 54. The text we're given tonight is Isaiah 54 verses 1 to 10. And I'll ask Dr. Robertson to come and preach. Isaiah chapter 54, beginning with verse 1. Listen now to God's holy, inerrant, and life-giving word. Sing, O barren one who did not bear. Break forth into singing and cry aloud, you who have not been in labor. For the children of the desolate will be more than the children of her who is married, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent. Let the curtains of your habitations be stretched out. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. For you will spread abroad to the right and to the left, and your offspring will possess the nations and will people the desolate cities. Fear not, for you will not be ashamed. Be not confounded, for you will not be disgraced. For you will forget the shame of your youth and the reproach of your widowhood you will remember no more. For your maker is your husband, the Lord of hosts is his name, and the Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer, the God of the whole earth he is called. For the Lord has called you like a wife deserted and grieved in spirit, like a wife of youth when she is cast off, says your God. For a brief moment I deserted you, but with great compassion I will gather you. In overflowing anger for a moment I hid my face from you. But with everlasting love, I will have compassion on you, says the Lord, your Redeemer. This is like the days of Noah to me, as I swore that the waters of Noah should no more go over the earth. So I have sworn that I will not be angry with you and will not rebuke you. For the mountains may depart and the hills be removed. But my steadfast love shall not depart from you. And my covenant of peace shall not be removed, says the Lord, who has compassion on you. The grass withers, the flowers fall, and the word of our God abides forever. Amen. Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord who has compassion on you. The covenant is a covenant of compassion, a manifestation of God's unchanging love that is always set upon his people. And we can praise the Lord as we look across the history of the covenants and see how God has ordered everything to manifest his love to us so that we may be refreshed and understand the purposes, the plans, the wisdom, the grace that is involved in God's work of redemption as he has worked through his covenants. Well, if you... We'll look at your brochure. We begin with problems, problems, problems. How many problems are there in this world? Just in uh, across the border in North Carolina, we, we heard of a policeman, the father of a friend of the family, 
and he was on a particular responsibility, and he knew a cut-through, and as he was cutting through, he saw these two massive you know, vans that, communic- that, that transport all sorts of things, and one of them was cracked open a little bit, and he thought maybe he should just investigate, and he opened and or looked inside, and there were 52 young women that had been brought up from South America, that had been told if they would have jobs here in America, and then they could bring all their family up with them. There were no toilet facilities there. They had traveled for who knows how long. They were on the way to Washington, D.C., where they would be entered into the sex traffic of America here in the 20th century. We've just heard that our president, the president of the United States of America and his wife, have this plague that God has brought on the whole of the earth to bring the world to repentance, that they might then turn in faith to him. These are just two of the massive problems that we're facing in the world. If you look at that little line there, aloneness and depression. We were just walking our dog and you know, a lady with her dog, an older woman, you know, we were with the family, she was with herself, and it was like she just joined us, grabbed onto us, because there was someone to talk to, and she could not stop talking because of aloneness in this 20th century. Family breakups. Again, my, the friends of my son, there is hardly a one of them whose family is not in process of divorce. Alcoholism, drug addiction, violence and lawlessness. You just have to mention the word Portland and you know what a little bit of violence and lawlessness can mean. Racism and tribalism. And in Africa, there are still the pygmies in the Congolese jungles. And the people there in Africa do not regard them as human beings. And so they, the government totally has ignored them. What is the answer to all of these problems? Well, in that particular case, one of the graduates of African Bible College gets on his motorcycle and rides five hours into the jungle, into the depths of the Congo, sets up his tent, and begins to teach the Bible, to teach him how to read, to teach him how to harvest these massive trees that are in the harvest. Discrimination, not only racial discrimination, but particularly we know of discrimination among Christians, toward Christians. Is that not true? That you, if you're a Christian and you're in a particular job, you may find yourself bypassed over and over again in terms of promotion because of your position. Oppression, disunity among the nations, and even deeper, more foundational, the need to be close to God. I'm kind of late picking up on our book Born Again by Chuck Holson, 
And he talks about the man who, you know, led him to faith in Christ. And this man was so successful. He had worked hard and had brought his company up to great success. But this friend said, but I was hollow inside. All of this meant absolutely nothing to me. Is that not true? That people are succeeding and yet have a hollowness that is there. Need for changed hearts. Need for the spirit and fullness. We all need the fullness of the spirit. Orphans and widows, disease and plague, we know about that. And death. It's very interesting. In all the reports of the deaths of COVID-19, and the mass graves that are depicted. How many words have been said about what happens after death? What word has been said anywhere about what has happened to all of these people and to all of us who face that prospect? It's going to come to us all. What happens after Death. The scriptures tell us that the wages of sin is death and that it is appointed unto all men once to die. And after this, nothing. That's what the world has convinced itself of. But they're going to be up for a very rude awakening. After this, the judgment. And every single human being that has died is one day going to face God in judgment. And finally, Satan and his demons. Who believes in Satan today? Who believes in demons today? Well, the scripture believes. The scripture clearly attests that the great struggle is between Satan, the opponent of God, that old serpent, the devil, and our Lord Jesus Christ himself. What is the answer to all of these problems? And this is just a skimming of the surface of the problems in our world today. What is the answer? You know the answer? You'll excuse me. After 27 years of time in Africa, I I keep thinking back to equivalents in Africa. But I, I have to tell you that our students who come from the Congo, from Sudan from Rwanda, where they had the genocide. They all are totally convinced that despite all the corruptions of government, all the diseases that are not being controlled, they are totally convinced that Jesus Christ is the answer to all of those problems. Are you convinced? Do you really think? That all the problems that we face in this world have their answer in the person of Jesus Christ? I want to assure you that all those problems do have their answer here. And in order to know Jesus Christ and in order to know God better, we go to the covenants. Because the covenants are the structural way by which God has worked and continues to work his redemption in this world. If you want to understand what's happening in the world today, 
You've got to understand God's covenants. Because these are the ways by which God has framed and shaped every aspect of human existence. By the covenants, God has implanted certain frameworks in the processes of history that determine everything. The relationship of governments, the relationship of man to wife, the relationships in business, the relationships to education, everything is found in the structures of God's covenants. Now, don't mistake me. Covenants are not God. Covenants are not God. But covenants are the way by which God has ordered and structured the world and the way by which we can come to understand and know God better. So if you look at page two, why then study the covenants? And I might say, if, if we had time and came to the very end of the second lecture, we could go to each one of these problems, and by then I would hope you could be able to say, well, this covenant of God solves that problem. This covenant of problem, the covenant deals with that problem. This covenant would answer that problem. It's all there. Wait and see if you can, how many answers to all of these problems listed here you could find in God's covenants. But in other ways, we study covenants, first of all, because they structure scripture. You know, this Bible, it's a big book. How do you start comprehending this massive book? Well, you know, first of all, there's an Old Testament and a New Testament. Uh-uh. No, there's not. There's no Old Testament and New Testament. It's an Old Covenant and a New Covenant. And it will give you a totally different perspective on your Bible. If you understand, you have two covenants. The Old Covenant and the New Covenant. You have the covenant of creation and the covenant of redemption. Or you can speak in more traditional language of Reformed theology, a covenant of works and a covenant of grace. And it is absolutely critical to understand the distinction between a covenant of works and a covenant of grace. You will never, you will never have any assurance and you will lose your assurance of salvation if you cannot keep straight the difference between a covenant of works and a covenant of grace. The covenant God made with man in creation and the covenant that God made with man in redemption. That's where you can find peace if you can understand the distinction of these covenants. Redemptive historical progress in the Bible. There is a succession of covenants and those successions move forward the plan and purpose of God toward the consummation, toward which we are rapidly moving. So if you want to understand the pieces of the Bible, the phases of the Bible, you get to First Chronicles and you read nine chapters of genealogy. And you say, where am I? What, what is this? Well, the covenants will give you a framework to understand that. Secondly, because at the same time they unify Scripture for you. There is one essence in the whole of the Bible, and that essence is the heart of the covenants, which is Emmanuel. I shall be your God, and you shall be my people. 
That is the heart of the whole of the Bible. I, in this very personal way, I shall be your God and you shall be my people. But you cannot really understand that interpersonal relationship with God without comprehending God's covenants. The everlasting covenant. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 20. There is the the blood of the everlasting covenant. What is an everlasting covenant? Well, it's a covenant that has no beginning. And a covenant that has no end. And a covenant that has no interruption in the middle. That's an everlasting covenant. But what is this blood of the everlasting covenant? We know Jesus was not crucified at creation. He was crucified in about 30 AD. But the scriptures teach us that Christ was sacrificed before the foundation of the world. That is in the mind and purpose of God that is communicated through his covenants. The blood of the covenant is there through all ages. Form in the old anticipates reality in the new. If you talk about shadow, then you can talk about reality. If you talk about image, you talk about substance. You talk about type, you talk about anti-type. You talk about prophecy, you talk about fulfillment. That is how you can understand the unity of Scripture by reading the Old Testament in terms of shadow, image, type, and prophecy, and then you read the New Testament in terms of reality, substance, antitype, and fulfillment. Tabernacle in the Old, the word of tabernacle among us. Sacrifice and Passover in the Old, Christ our Passover has been sacrificed for us. The whole understanding of the unity of the Bible hinges on the covenants. Thirdly, study the covenants because they interrelate your total life, its worship, and its work. The covenant of creation includes the whole man. The covenant of redemption does the same. The Africans, again, pardon me, they say, well, our people, they've got religion in one pocket and they've got their life in the other pocket. Yep. So they're good at church, they sing in the choir, they serve as the deacons, but they come home and they beat their wives. Now, you don't beat your wife, do you? Do you? But you could be quite guilty of verbally harassing your wife, couldn't you? I'm ashamed of my own guilt in that very area. So, but you can't separate your loyalty to God from your everyday life if you understand the covenants. Because the covenants bind together all aspects of the human life. Your marriage relationship is a covenantal relationship. Your work is a covenantal relationship. Your religion is a covenantal relationship. It's a binding of the totality of your life. 
in one. And fourthly, you study the covenants because they center on Christ as the answer to all human problems. Christ is the answer to all human problems. Isaiah chapter 49 verse 10, I will make you, and here he's speaking of in Isaiah 49, one of these is one of the servant songs passages of the Old Testament. He's referring in prophecy of the Messiah to come, the servant of the Lord that is to come, and he says, I will make you a covenant for the people. That is, you will embody in yourself all that the covenant represents. If the covenant represents unity with God, if the covenant represents the love of God, unbroken for his people, then all of that will be in you. And that's why we study the covenants, because we see Christ in the covenants. Now next we go to the nature of the divine covenants. Next page. The nature of the divine covenants. First, their significance. There are three principles that are at work in this room right now. And you can, you might write this down. It really doesn't have that much significance, but you might write it down and think about it. A principle is as significant as the extent of its application. A principle is as significant as the extent of its application. Now, there are three principles right now in this room that are very active and very significant. Can you give me one? Just one? Watch this. I don't want to do anything disrespectful, but... Shall I do it again? I'll do it a little lower this time. Will it ever go this way? Why is that? Because of why? Jack, why? Why does the Bible go down instead of going up? That's it. Gravity. You're absolutely right. I knew you knew that. Gravity is exactly reason. It's a very broad principle, right? You will not walk out of this room without gravity. What's another one? I'll give you a hint. What's that? No, I won't ask you again, John. What's that? Well, oxygen. That's a pretty significant principle, right? You can't see it. You can't see gravity, but it's very significant. And the same with the third principle. Another hint, 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 hint. Light. Light. You go down in a bathoscope. You can read about bathoscopes sometimes. A bathoscope down to the very bottom of the deepest part of the ocean. And there will be a little bit of light there. Just a little bit of light. Because it's so worldwide in its extent. Now in the same way, the covenants extend to every part of your life. And that's how significant they are. So, 
These are very significant things when we look at the divine covenants. Secondly, what is a covenant? You've been sitting on the edge of your pew, haven't you? Oh, this is so interesting. I'm just dying to know what, what, by the way, what, 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 what is a covenant after all? If it's so important. Well, here's a simple little thumbnail sketch of what a covenant is. A covenant is a bond in blood sovereignly administered. Now you can write that one down and maybe even memorize it. A covenant is a bond in blood sovereignly administered. Look at the three elements here. First of all, covenant is a bond. The word in Hebrew is berit. Can you say berit? Berit. Ah, now you know Hebrew. Very good. Berit. That is a covenant. But the essence of the idea of berit is a binding, a binding together. That's what it means. And in the context of the Old Testament, a covenant is a bond that is strengthened by oaths, by swearing, and by signs. You know, you can go in, if you stop for some gas for your car and you go into the little quick stop, you can get some water and put a whatever, a dollar or whatever on the counter and go out. Have you had much of a relationship with that person behind the counter? Not much of a relationship. That's a casual relationship. Covenants are not casual relationships. They are bonds, sovereign bonds. And they are bound by oaths. In Africa, one way that they make a covenant is a a coffee bean. They chew a coffee bean and then they cut you and cut me and they dip the coffee bean in the blood and your blood and then they chew it. And that's a sign of the covenant. You can see that life and death is what is involved here. A covenant is not a casual thing. It's a life and death matter. And the same with the signs. What is this? This is a wedding ring. We use signs to confirm and strengthen a relationship. And all the covenants of God have these signs. As we shall look in the past, they, each one has a sign. What's the sign of the covenant with Noah? The rainbow, right. What's the sign of the covenant with Abraham? Circumcision. What's the sign of the covenant with Moses? Well, you can work on that one and look on that one. That's a very interesting. What about the covenant with David? Well, the anointment of the king. And what's the sign of the covenant of the New Testament? It's a bond in blood that is celebrated at the Lord's Supper and also at baptism. These are outward signs that confirm the binding relationship. But in particular, a covenant is a bond in blood or a bond of life and death. And here's another little bit of Hebrew, to cut a covenant. In the Bible, you will read, make a covenant, but it actually is to cut a covenant. Karat 
berit, to cut a covenant. Now, why do they speak of cutting a covenant? Well, because the way that they made the covenants was that they would take an animal, they would cut it in pieces, and they would, in, in ancient archaeological discoveries, they found this kind of statement. Someone would have a goat, and they would cut off the head of the goat and say, this is not the head of a goat, this is the head of Mate'ilu. And if Mate'ilu breaks this covenant, then may his head be severed from his body, even as the head of this goat has been severed from its body. This is not the leg of a goat. This is the leg of Mate'ilu, and so on and so on. And in the Bible, we have the cutting of a covenant. Whenever you read, make a covenant, almost all the time in the Old Testament, it will actually read, cutting a covenant. Because it is the animals that are cut in two that bind the two people together. Now, the third thing that we'll look at is, on the next page, it is sovereignly administered. A covenant is a bond in blood, sovereignly administered. That is, God takes the initiative in his covenants. When God made the covenant with Adam, Adam didn't say, well, Lord, you know, I, I like this idea of being able to eat all the tree, the, the tree, the fruit of the trees of the garden, but this tilling the garden, this keeping up with the weeds, if they were weeds at that time, I don't like that too much. Could, could we just take that out of the covenant? No, I don't think it worked that way. And when Moses was on Mount Sinai and the Lord gave the Ten Commandments, Moses didn't say, well, let's, let's, let's negotiate a little bit. What about seven instead of ten? Hmm? No, I don't think so. God sovereignly administers his covenants. And you can be thankful because you could not come up with a better deal than the covenants that God has established with us. So those are the covenants, and that is what a covenant is. A covenant is a bond in blood, sovereignly administered. And we can be thankful over all the ages, over all the years, that God has been faithful to his covenants. And he has opened to us a door of fellowship and unity with him by the binding of the covenants. Now we'll just look tonight and see what we're going to see next time on Sunday evening, looking at the covenantal structure of Scripture. We'll start with the covenant of creation. This is called the lazy V diagram because it's a V this way, but it's over on its side. And the, then next we come the covenant of redemption in which we go all the way back to Adam and all the way up until David, and we'll see even further, but we have a series of covenants with Adam, with Noah, with Abraham, Moses, and David. These are the old covenant shadows. And finally, we come to new covenant realities. And those new covenant realities reach all the way back to Adam. Adam though it was in the form of the Old Covenant, 
he had the same blessings as we of the new covenant. So we can thank the Lord and praise the Lord for his ordering of all things to our good and to his glory in the covenants. Let us pray. Lord our God, we thank you and praise you that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. Oh, Father, you have looked down on this earth, and in ways that we cannot fully understand, you have manifested your love, your patience, your goodness, your strength. Help us to embrace the richness of your love to us as it is found in your covenants and particularly in Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.